Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. If you didn't get, a, get the whole story from the song, there may be a few other things for you to learn. Luke 19, verses 1-10. through 10. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, we would love for you to follow along. It's in those Bibles that we provide for you. It's page 878, the story of Zacchaeus. And every time I read the story of Zacchaeus, I am always reminded of my very first sermon. I was in junior high, and the youth minister, it was Youth Sunday, and the youth minister had asked Tim Seifler and uh, Eric Decker and myself if we would each help him with a sermon. And so each one of us had to tell a Bible story, and then he tied it all together at the end. And my story was Zacchaeus. And I remember sweating over that story as a junior high kid pretty bad, you know. And, and I remember writing out my notes and making sure everything was just right. And, and I do not remember a single thing that I said that morning about Zacchaeus. But that's okay, other than you, you, know, you don't know either. You don't remember either. Um, the only thing I remember is that like Zacchaeus, my sermon was short. Uh, but I was also in junior high, so that doesn't happen anymore. So Maybe it's a little short. Uh, but something happened that day as I stood as a junior high student and, and delivered my first sermon. There, there's no way on that day that I thought I would be doing this the rest of my life. And yet, and yet here I am. That day for me was a tipping point. Um, it was a tipping point that I didn't see coming. Do you understand tipping points? You know what a, a tipping point is? A tipping point is a small change or a, an incident in life that becomes significant enough to cause larger and more important changes. At the moment of a tipping point, it doesn't seem like much, but later the change seems huge. And when a tipping point takes effect, it's practically irreversible. Tipping points happen all around us. Tipping points happen in society. They happen in families. They happen in individuals. Tipping points happen with the spread of, of diseases and, and uh, different outbreaks. You know, the cold season comes through, the flu season comes through, and, and, and people start experiencing that more and more. We reach a tipping point sooner or later where it spreads. Several of you have told me that one person or another, Trish isn't here today because she, she's lost her voice. You know, we seem to be hitting a tipping point with that where more and more people are experiencing that particular infection. There's different kinds of tipping points. Tipping points happen in technology. In the year 2004, a website called Facebook was founded as a way of connecting college students. 2004, Facebook was founded as a way of connecting college students. But in 2008, that was probably the year that many of you got Facebook accounts or started hearing about it because in 2008, the tipping point hit for Facebook. Today, there are over a billion people connected on Facebook. It's the largest country in the world. And it's, it's completely changed the way that we see uh, social media. In fact, it's impacted so much of our society and so much of our world. Tipping points happen in businesses. They happen in communities. They happen in the lives of individuals. For every big change in life, there is a little tipping point. Unexpected, unplanned. But when it happens, everything changes. And that's exactly what we have in the story of Zacchaeus. Look with me in verses 
1 through 10 of Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That last verse, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That verse wraps up the story of Zacchaeus. That verse forms the conclusion. Some would tell you that that verse is the key verse of Luke's Gospel. That it summarizes what the whole Gospel is about. Some people would tell you that that verse needs to be the mission statement of the church today. That our job is to seek and to save the lost. That's who we are. And then we have verse 9. Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house. What led Jesus to make that statement? Was it something that He saw in Zacchaeus? Is it just something He says because well, that's, that's Jesus and that's what He does. He says things like that. Uh, was it something He saw in Zacchaeus? Was it something that He looks for in us? What was it about Zacchaeus that convinced Jesus that He was saved? The story of how Zacchaeus met Jesus is probably different than your story of how you met Jesus. Probably different than that. And yet I hope the conclusion is the same, that salvation has come to your house. In a lot of ways though, Zacchaeus' story begins just like your story and mine. We, we may not have started up a tree, but we all start with our own unique perspective on Jesus. Our first impression of Zacchaeus is the same as Jesus' first impression of Zacchaeus. What do we see? Well, we see that Zacchaeus, to quote Kelly, is a wee little man, and a wee little man is he. Okay? He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You know the story, right? Zacchaeus is a, is a wee little man. Well, how wee little? Well, the, the language that Luke uses tells us that Zacchaeus is probably, probably under five foot tall. Um, I don't know about you, but you know my, my brain goes places. And every time I think about the story of Zacchaeus, and I think, well, what if... What if Hollywood made a movie? You know, what if Hollywood made a movie and they include the story of Zacchaeus? I always imagine Danny DeVito playing Zacchaeus. I just think he would be the perfect Zacchaeus. You know, he's a wee little man. I think that would be just about perfect. Uh, that's a difficult perspective, though, when a crowd has gathered. So he climbs a tree. He climbs a sycamore tree. Sycamore trees had low limbs. They were very easy to climb. And he gets himself to a height where he's got a better perspective where he can see Jesus. 
And I hope we can appreciate that. We might be taller. We might be taller. But we still need perspective on Jesus. None of us, none of us run blindly into Jesus. We all begin with our perspective on Him. You think about our backgrounds. You think about the past. You think about how that affects our view of Jesus. We have life experiences that affect our view of Jesus. We have the way that we've been loved, the way that we have been cared for by other people affect the way we view Jesus. All the things that we've been taught, they all affect how we see Jesus. Like Zacchaeus climbing a tree, they give us perspective on him. But there's another element to Zacchaeus' perspective, something that you may have wondered about. He climbs a tree. Did, did he even try? Did he even try to push his way to the front of the crowd? I mean, that would be another perspective, being down front and out there in the front. Did he even try to push his way to the front? You know, we, we can't know that. But considering his stature and considering his status in society, I doubt he would have been welcomed with the crowd. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, like Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. Levi, we also call him. He, he was a tax collector. Being a tax collector was not an easy job to come by. You had to buy the job. You had to purchase the job of tax collector from the Romans. But if you were dishonest, if you were even just a, a little bit dishonest, you could make a fortune being a tax collector. It was worth it. The, Rome's, the Romans had set the, the tax amount, and that's all they cared about was getting their taxes back. And so Rome would set the tax amount, and then you would set what you charged as a tax collector. So if Rome said collect 10, you collected 12, or maybe you collected 15. Or maybe you collected 15 from these people over here, but you wanted these people to be your friends, so you collected 8 from them. All Rome cared about was that you gave them the money that they needed. Now, keep in mind also, Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector. He is a chief tax collector. That means he has other tax collectors under him. He is tax collector over a large region of people. This man is very wealthy. But to his neighbors, to the Jews, maybe even to his own family, Zacchaeus was a traitor because he was working with the Romans. He was collecting money for the Romans. So when Zacchaeus heads for the tree, is he seeking Jesus? Or is he hiding from the people down here? You see, what Zacchaeus didn't know was that climbing that tree was his first step towards his tipping point. We often look for those big moments. You know, we say, God, make yourself known to me. Show me the lights. You know, I want to see big things. I want. Uh, you show, me, show me a sign. Show me the lights. Let me hear the loud, booming voice from heaven. But that doesn't really happen, does it? Instead, it's those little moments, those little tipping points that lead us to something bigger. Junior high, preaching a sermon you know, about Zacchaeus. That was a little tipping point that led to other tipping points later. I asked some people this week about their tipping points. Steve was telling me about one of his tip, tipping points. It was a blind date with, was it Pterodon? A blind date with Pterodon. Someone who supported him and encouraged him to go into ministry and enabled him to serve in a way that he had always wanted to. That became a tipping point. 
for him. I was talking to Danny about tipping points this week. I said, Danny, what was your tipping point? He said his tipping point was when he realized that his depression was actually causing him to hide from life. He was hiding in his home due to his depression, and he finally said, no more. I am done hiding. I am done with that. That became a tipping point. That little decision became a tipping point. If we went around the room today, we could talk tipping point after tipping point. Little change after little change. uh, One little encounter, one little decision, one little incident, and how at the time it seemed insignificant, but it led to something huge. Like Zacchaeus, it led to that moment when we met the real Jesus. Everyone has a perspective on Jesus. It might not be the right one, but everyone has one. Your perspective may be something you learned as a child about Jesus. Your perspective may be something good. Your perspective may have been something bad. Your perspective may have been the way someone hurt you. Someone who, who claimed to be a Christian hurt you. Even if you only heard the name of Jesus as a curse, that's still a perspective. It's universal. We all have one. But like Zacchaeus, we take that next step and we come face to face with the real Jesus. Look again at verses 5 and 6. It says, And when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So He hurried and came down and received Him. That's a word that we see over and over again in Luke. He received Him joyfully. What this verse tells us is about what happens when Jesus meets an open heart. Luke is very particular about the language he uses here. He says, I must stay at your house today. There is a divine imperative here that goes way beyond Jesus just inviting Himself to someone's house for dinner. I've done that before. But Jesus has a divine imperative here. This is Jesus entering the life of this man, coming in to do His work to bring new life to Him. When we talk about tipping points, we're talking about more than just what happens in the life of an individual. We talk about how that one little decision impacts the life of that individual's family, how it impacts their friends, the people around them, how it impacts their community. And one principle that's seen over and over again for those that discuss these tipping points, one principle that's seen over and over again is if you can reach just 10% of a demographic, just just 10%, you can reach a tipping point. You can find a tipping point. I thought about that a lot this week. I thought about all the different demographics, you know, the people groups, the different influences that are in our community. You think about the demographics. You think about addiction in our community and how big of a problem that is. You know, when, when I was a kid, addiction was a problem, but it's gotten bigger. You know, it's, it's very, very huge in our community. You think about all the different things that people are addicted to. They're addicted to alcohol. There's addiction to meth. There's addiction to other drugs. There's, there's addiction to heroin. There's all kinds of addictions in our community. And it seems overwhelming at times. It seems so big. Like, what could we do about this problem? But the principle of tipping point says 10%. 10% can change that entire demographic. 10% can reach. It, 10% can change a community. If we could reach just 10% of those hurting, other people would come. We could find that tipping point. Now look at Luke's Gospel. 
And I wonder if that's what Jesus is doing with tax collectors. Tax collectors were hated. They were despised. But they were in such great need of the Gospel. And Jesus, over and over again through the Gospel of Luke, He reaches out to tax collectors. You go all the way back to chapter 3. In chapter 3, it's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is baptizing and he's preaching. And in chapter 3 of Luke, who comes to be baptized? <laughs> tax collectors. Tax collectors come to be baptized. In chapter 5, Jesus calls Matthew or, or Levi, this tax collector, to come follow him. He walks up to him. He's at his tax collector booth. And he says, come follow me. And Matthew leaves and comes follow. But what's the first thing Matthew does? He throws a party before he takes off to follow Jesus. He throws a party. And do you know who comes to that party? It says a large company of tax collectors come to that party. In Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter 7, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is criticized for eating and drinking with tax collectors. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee stands before God at just certain of his righteousness, certain that he deserves to be in the presence of God. The tax collector stands there beating his breast, won't even lift his eyes to heaven, and says, God, forgive me, a miserable sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, that man went away justified. And the very last mention of tax collectors in the Gospel of Luke is here in chapter 19. It's Zacchaeus. And who is he? He is a chief tax collector. Was Jesus out to reach 10% of the tax collectors? Was Jesus out to reach a, a tipping point when it came to tax collectors? So Jesus sees this tax collector, this chief tax collector, up a tree, and suddenly he has this divine imperative. In verse 5, he says, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And you notice Zacchaeus' response. He came down at once. He received him joyfully. If you're here today and you're a Christian, it's because you made that same response. Jesus invited Himself into your heart. He invited Himself into your home. And you opened the door and you received Him joyfully. But that's just the tipping point. And what if it's not just a tipping point for you? What if it's a tipping point for your family? What if it's a tipping point for your home? What if it's a tipping point for those that you care about, those that you love so deeply, those that you love the most, for so many other people? What if that decision on your part was a tipping point for someone else, a family or a community? Jesus says in, in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house. He doesn't say salvation has come to this man. He says today salvation has come to this house. One man met Jesus and everything about that home changed. The future and eternity changed. What could happen when you hit that tipping point? What could happen for you, for those around you? What Zacchaeus' story shows us is that one encounter with Jesus, one day... <laughs> can change everything. Maybe, maybe that's an encounter you haven't had yet. Maybe that's something that you're still looking for. Maybe you've been waiting for it. Maybe you've been looking for something big. You want to see the lights. You want to hear the big booming voice from heaven. Don't miss God in the small stuff. Don't miss that still, small voice. That 
one step, that one change, that one little thing that becomes a tipping point. And suddenly, unexpectedly, life changes. The future changes. Eternity changes for you and someone else. Zacchaeus' response Zacchaeus's response seems as abrupt as Jesus's, as Jesus' invitation to his house. Zacchaeus says in, in verse 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now make no mistake, he had defrauded. <laughs> he had cheated. He's a wealthy man. He is despised. He had made enemies by cheating other people. That's how he made his living. But this meeting with Jesus had impacted, impacted him so greatly that he was willing to give it all up. Really, he was willing to give up his life, his old life, for something new. You know, it's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Sometimes we can't let go of that old. Sometimes we still live under the condemnation of that old. We judge ourselves by that old. We judge other people by that old. But listen to those words. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Something else to wonder about with Zacchaeus' response. There in in verse 8, I give half of my goods, I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Who told him to do that? Who, who told him to do that? You know, where, where did he get the idea that this is what he should do? Did he read that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. In fact, if he had read his Bible, if he could go back and read Le- Le- Leviticus chapter 5, in Leviticus chapter 5, it says that if you cheat someone, if you cheat them out of something they have, you have to pay them back completely, and then you have to pay them back one-fifth over what you cheated them. You have to pay it back, all back and then one-fifth over. That's what the Bible says. Zacchaeus has given half of his goods to the poor, and he's paying people back four times over. The Romans, the Romans said that if you're a tax collector and you get caught cheating people, if you get caught, not that you shouldn't do it, but if you get caught you have to pay them back three times over. Zacchaeus is going to pay them back four. And he's going to give half of his possessions to the poor. Where did, where did he get that? Where did he decide that was a thing to do? You know, it's interesting. If you look back, Luke chapter 3, I mentioned earlier, John the Baptist is out baptizing and, and tax collectors come to him. And in Luke chapter 3, In verse 10, there's this crowd gathered around John, and the crowd asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. In other words, if you have twice the amount you need, then you give half of that to someone else. You share what you have. And then verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Interesting. And you know, if you back up just a couple of verses there in in Luke chapter 3, in verse 8, 
John the Baptist is speaking, and he says, bear fruit, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. That was their excuse. You know, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do all these nice things because Abraham was our father and that makes us okay. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. What does he say in verse 9? Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since this man is a son of Abraham. You see, this is the kind of thing that happens when someone meets Jesus. When He comes into us and He changes our hearts, the fruit of repentance occurs. Jesus had a divine imperative for Zacchaeus. He said, I must stay at your house today. Just one little decision, one little one little nudge, that's all. Just one little nudge. And that changed everything. And I promise you, Jesus has a divine imperative for you also. He wants in your life. He wants in your home. He wants in our community. He's simply waiting for us to welcome Him in. to Give Him that one little chance. One little choice on our part. One little change. And who knows where that'll end? Who knows what lives that one little tipping point will touch? But it has to begin with your response. It has to begin with your tipping point. Sometimes I think we're scared. Sometimes I think we're afraid that God's going to ask us to do something big. Because God's going to ask me to sell all that I have and become a missionary and move to Papua New Guinea. No. No, just one little, one little choice. One little, one little decision. It's simply a, a simple call to open your heart up to one little possibility that today, one decision could change everything. Could change everything for you. Could change everything for those you love. We're going to sing a song in a moment. And I don't often mention this. Sometimes people ask, why, why, don't, we have, why don't we have an invitation anymore? Why don't people come forward anymore? And, you know, I, I've been doing this for a while now, and I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen people come forward you know, to make a decision. More often than not, where do those decisions happen? They happen in conversations. We sit down and we talk with our friends and the next thing you know, they're making those decisions for Jesus. Very few people come forward anymore. But today, whether it's you sitting and having a conversation with a friend or whether it's you saying, today's the tipping point. Today's the day when I make a decision. Today's the day when I give myself to Him. We're going to sing a song. And if you need us to pray with you, if you need us to help you through that tipping point, whatever it is, we would love to be there for you. We would love to encourage you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to welcome you. And who knows what happens next? Who knows who that tipping point will touch? I could tell you stories, and I look around here and I see stories. Because I've been here for a while. I see stories where one, one little tipping point brings a whole family. One little tipping point brings friends. One little tipping point changes everything. One little tipping point. One little sermon from a junior high kid. And suddenly there's a family in church. What if today God's not calling you to something big? He's calling you to one little tipping point. What if today's the day you decide to follow Him? If you need us to pray with you, we want to do that today. 
to come as we stand and sing.